Chapter Two of Cousin Betty by Honoré de Balzac, translated by James Waring. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. Chapter Two. Listen, Monsieur Crevel," said the Baroness, too anxious to be able to laugh. "You are fifty, ten years younger than Monsieur Hulot. I know." but at my age a woman's follies ought to be justified by beauty youth fame superior merit some one of the splendid qualities which can dazzle us to the point of making us forget all else even at our age though you may have fifty thousand francs a year your age counterbalances your fortune thus you have nothing whatever of what a woman looks for but love said the officer rising and coming forward such love as no monsieur such obstinacy said the baroness interrupting him to put an end to his absurdity yes obstinacy said he and love but something stronger still a claim a claim cried madame hulot rising sublime with scorn defiance and indignation but she went on this will bring us to no issues i did not ask you to come here to discuss the matter which led to your banishment in spite of the connection between our families i had fancied so what still cried she do you not see monsieur by the entire ease and freedom with which i can speak of lovers and love of everything least creditable to a woman that i am perfectly secure in my own virtue i fear nothing not even to shut myself in alone with you is that the conduct of a weak woman you know full well why i begged you to come no madame replied crevel with an assumption of great coldness he pursed up his lips and again struck an attitude well i will be brief to shorten our common discomfort said the baroness looking at crevel crevel made an ironical bow in which a man who knew the race would have recognized the graces of a bagman our son married your daughter and if it were to do again said crevel it would not be done at all i suspect said the baroness hastily however you have nothing to complain of my son is not only one of the leading pleaders of paris but for the last year he has sat as deputy and his maiden speech was brilliant enough to lead us to suppose that ere long he will be in office victorin has twice been called upon to report on important measures and he may even now if he chose be made attorney-general in the court of appeal so if you mean to say that your son-in-law has no fortune worse than that madame a son-in-law whom i am obliged to maintain replied crevel of the five hundred thousand francs that formed my daughter's marriage portion two hundred thousand have vanished god knows how in paying the young gentleman's debts in furnishing his house splendaciously a house costing five hundred thousand francs and bringing in scarcely fifteen thousand since he occupies the larger part of it while he owes two hundred and sixty thousand francs of the purchase money the rent he gets barely pays the interest on the debt i have had to give my daughter twenty thousand francs this year to help her to make both ends meet and then my son-in-law who was making thirty thousand francs a year at the assizes i am told is going to throw that up for the chamber this again monsieur crevel is beside the mark we are wandering from the point still to dispose of it finally it may be said that if my son gets into office 
if he has you made an officer of the legion of honor and councillor of the municipality of paris you as a retired perfumer will not have much to complain of ah there we are again madame yes i am a tradesman a shopkeeper a retail dealer in almond paste eau de portugal and hair oil and was only too much honoured when my only daughter was married to the son of monsieur le baron hulot d'ervy my daughter will be a baroness this is regency louis the fifteenth oeil de boeuf quite tip-top very good i love celestine as a man loves his only child so well indeed that to preserve her from having either brother or sister i resigned myself to all the privations of a widower in paris and in the prime of life madame but you must understand that in spite of this extravagant affection for my daughter i do not intend to reduce my fortune for the sake of your son whose expenses are not wholly accounted for in my eyes as an old man of business monsieur you may at this day see in the ministry of commerce monsieur popinot formerly a druggist in the rue des lombards and a friend of mine madame said the ex-perfumer for i celestin crevel foreman once to old cesar birotteau bought up the said cesar birotteau's stock and he was popinot's father-in-law why that very popinot was no more than a shopman in the establishment and he is the first to remind me of it for he is not proud to do him justice to men in a good position with an income of sixty thousand francs in the funds well then monsieur the notions you term regency are quite out of date at a time when a man is taken at his personal worth and that is what you did when you married your daughter to my son but you do not know how the marriage was brought about cried crevel oh that cursed bachelor life but for my misconduct my celestine might at this day be vicomtesse papineau once more have done with recriminations over accomplished facts said the baroness anxiously let us rather discuss the complaints i have found on your strange behaviour my daughter hortense had a chance of marrying the match depended entirely on you i believed you felt some sentiments of generosity i thought you would do justice to a woman who has never had a thought in her heart for any man but her husband that you would have understood how necessary it is for her not to receive a man who may compromise her and that for the honour of the family with which you are allied you would have been eager to promote hortense's settlement with monsieur le conseiller lebas and it is you monsieur you have hindered the marriage madame said the ex-perfumer i acted the part of an honest man i was asked whether the two hundred thousand francs to be settled on mademoiselle hortense would be forthcoming i replied exactly in these words i would not answer for it my son-in-law to whom the hulots had promised the same sum was in debt and i believe that if monsieur hulot d'ervy were to die to-morrow his widow would have nothing to live on there fair lady and would you have said as much monsieur asked madame hulot looking crevel steadily in the face if i had been false to my duty i should not be in a position to say it dearest adeline cried this singular adorer interrupting the baroness for you would have found the amount in my pocket-book 
and adding action to word the fat guardsman knelt down on one knee and kissed madame hulot's hand seeing that his speech had filled her with speechless horror which he took for hesitancy what buy my daughter's fortune at the cost of rise monsieur or i ring the bell crevel rose with great difficulty this fact made him so furious that he again struck his favorite attitude most men have some habitual position by which they fancy that they show to the best advantage the good points bestowed on them by nature this attitude in crevel consisted in crossing his arms like napoleon his head showing three-quarters face and his eyes fixed on the horizon as the painter has shown the emperor in his portrait to be faithful he began with well-acted indignation so faithful to a liber to a husband who is worthy of such fidelity madame hulot put in to hinder crevel from saying a word she did not choose to hear come madame you wrote to bid me here you ask the reasons for my conduct you drive me to extremities with your imperial airs your scorn and your contempt anyone might think i was a negro but i repeat it and you may believe me i have a right to to make love to you for but no i love you well enough to hold my tongue you may speak monsieur in a few days i shall be eight-and-forty i am no prude i can hear whatever you can say then will you give me your word of honor as an honest woman for you are alas for me an honest woman never to mention my name or to say that it was i who betrayed the secret if that is the condition on which you speak i will swear never to tell any one from whom i heard the horrors you propose to tell me not even my husband i should think not indeed for only you and he are concerned madame hulot turned pale oh if you still really love hulot it will distress you shall i say no more speak monsieur for by your account you wish to justify in my eyes the extraordinary declarations you have chosen to make me and your persistency in tormenting a woman of my age whose only wish is to see her daughter married and then to die in peace you see you are unhappy i monsieur yes beautiful noble creature cried crevel you have indeed been too wretched monsieur be silent and go or speak to me as you ought do you know madame how master hulot and i first made acquaintance at our mistresses madame oh monsieur yes madame at our mistresses crevel repeated in a melodramatic tone and leaving his position to wave his right hand well and what then said the baroness coolly to crevel's great amazement such mean seducers cannot understand a great soul i a widower five years since crevel began in the tone of a man who has a story to tell and not wishing to marry again for the sake of the daughter i adore not choosing either to cultivate any such connection in my own establishment though i had at the time a very pretty lady accountant i set up on her own account as they say a little sempstress of fifteen really a miracle of beauty with whom i fell desperately in love 
and in fact madame i asked an aunt of my own my mother's sister whom i sent for from the country to live with the sweet creature and keep an eye on her that she might behave as well as might be in this rather what shall i say shady no delicate position the child whose talent for music was striking had masters she was educated i had to give her something to do besides i wished to be at once her father her benefactor and well out with it her lover to kill two birds with one stone a good action and a sweetheart for five years i was very happy the girl had one of those voices that make the fortune of a theatre i can only describe her by saying that she is a dupre in petticoats it cost me two thousand francs a year only to cultivate her talent as a singer she made me music mad i took a box at the opera for her and for my daughter and went there alternate evenings with celestine or josepha what the famous singer yes madame said crevel with pride the famous josepha owes everything to me at last in eighteen thirty four when the child was twenty believing that i had attached her to me forever and being very weak where she was concerned i thought i would give her a little amusement and i introduced her to a pretty little actress jenny cadine whose life had been somewhat like her own this actress also owed everything to a protector who had brought her up in leading strings that protector was baron hulot i know that said the baroness in a calm voice without the least agitation bless me cried crevel more and more astounded well but do you know that your monster of a husband took jenny cadine in hand at the age of thirteen what then said the baroness as jenny cadine and josepha were both aged twenty when they first met the ex-tradesman went on the baron had been playing the part of louis the fifteenth to mademoiselle de romans ever since eighteen twenty six and you were twelve years younger then i had my reasons monsieur for leaving monsieur hulot his liberty that falsehood madame will surely be enough to wipe out every sin you have ever committed and to open to you the gates of paradise replied crevel with a knowing air that brought the colour to the baroness's cheeks sublime and adored woman tell that to those who will believe it but not to old crevel who has i may tell you feasted too often as one of four with your rascally husband not to know what your high merits are many a time has he blamed himself when half tipsy as he has expatiated on your perfections oh i know you well a libertine might hesitate between you and a girl of twenty i do not hesitate monsieur well i say no more but you must know saintly and noble woman that a husband under certain circumstances will tell things about his wife to his mistress that will mightily amuse her tears of shame hanging to madame hulot's long lashes checked the national guardsman he stopped short and forgot his attitude to proceed said he we became intimate the baron and i through the two hussies the baron like all bad lots is very pleasant a thoroughly jolly good fellow yes he took my fancy the old rascal he could be so funny well enough of those reminiscences we got to be like brothers the scoundrel quite regency in his notions 
tried indeed to deprave me altogether preached saint simonism as to women and all sorts of lordly ideas but you see i was fond enough of my girl to have married her only i was afraid of having children then between two old daddies such friends as as we were what more natural than that we should think of our children marrying each other three months after his son had married my celestine hulot i don't know how i can utter the wretch's name he has cheated us both madame well the villain did me out of my little josepha the scoundrel knew that he was supplanted in the heart of jenny cadine by a young lawyer and by an artist only two of them for the girl had more and more of a howling success and he stole my sweet little girl a perfect darling but you must have seen her at the opera he got her an engagement there your husband is not so well behaved as i am i am ruled as straight as a sheet of music paper he had dropped a good deal of money on jenny cadine who must have cost him near on thirty thousand francs a year well i can only tell you that he is ruining himself outright for josepha josepha madame is a jewess her name is mira the anagram of hiram an israelite mark that stamps her for she was a foundling picked up in germany and the inquiries i have made prove that she is the illegitimate child of a rich jew banker the life of the theatre and above all the teaching of jenny cadine madame schontz malaga and carabine as to the way to treat an old man have developed in the child whom i had kept in a respectable and not too expensive way of life all the native hebrew instinct for gold and jewels for the golden calf so this famous singer hungering for plunder now wants to be rich very rich she tried her prentice hand on baron hulot and soon plucked him bare plucked him ay and singed him to the skin the miserable man after trying to vie with one of the kellers and with the marquis d'esquignon both perfectly mad about josepha to say nothing of unknown worshippers is about to see her carried off by that very rich duke who is such a patron of the arts oh what is his name a dwarf ah the duke d'herouville this fine gentleman insists on having josepha for his very own and all that set are talking about it the baron knows nothing of it as yet for it is the same in the thirteenth arrondissement as in every other the lover like the husband is last to get the news now do you understand my claim your husband dear lady has robbed me of my joy in life the only happiness i have known since i became a widower yes if i had not been so unlucky as to come across that old rip josepha would still be mine for i you know should never have placed her on the stage she would have lived obscure well conducted and mine oh if you could but have seen her eight years ago slight and wiry with the golden skin of an andalusian as they say black hair as shiny as satin an eye that flashed lightning under long brown lashes the style of a duchess in every movement the modesty of a dependent decent grace and the pretty ways of a wild fawn and by that hulot's doing all this charm and purity has been degraded to a man-trap a money-box for five-franc pieces 
the girl is the queen of trollops and nowadays she humbugs every one she who knew nothing not even that word at this stage the retired perfumer wiped his eyes which were full of tears the sincerity of his grief touched madame hulot and roused her from the meditation into which she had sunk tell me madame is a man of fifty-two likely to find such another jewel at my age love costs thirty thousand francs a year it is through your husband's experience that i know the price and i love celestine too truly to be her ruin when i saw you at the first evening party you gave in our honor i wondered how that scoundrel hulot could keep a jenny cadine you had the manner of an empress you do not look thirty he went on to me madame you look young and you are beautiful on my word of honor that evening i was struck to the heart i said to myself if i had not josepha since old hulot neglects his wife she would fit me like a glove forgive me it is a reminiscence of my old business the perfumer will crop up now and then and that is what keeps me from standing to be elected deputy and then when i was so abominably deceived by the baron for really between old rips like us our friend's mistress should be sacred i swore i would have his wife it is but justice the baron could say nothing we are certain of impunity you showed me the door like a mangy dog at the first words i uttered as to the state of my feelings you only made my passion my obstinacy if you will twice as strong and you shall be mine indeed how i do not know but it will come to pass you see madame an idiot of a perfumer retired from business who has but one idea in his head is stronger than a clever fellow who has a thousand i am smitten with you and you are the means of my revenge it is like being in love twice over i am speaking to you quite frankly as a man who knows what he means i speak coldly to you just as you do to me when you say i never will be yours in fact as they say i play the game with the cards on the table yes you shall be mine sooner or later if you were fifty you should still be my mistress and it will be for i expect anything from your husband madame hulot looked at this vulgar intriguer with such a fixed stare of terror that he thought she had gone mad and he stopped you insisted on it you heaped me with scorn you defied me and i have spoken said he feeling that he must justify the ferocity of his last words oh my daughter my daughter moaned the baroness in a voice like a dying woman's oh i have forgotten all else crevel went on the day when i was robbed of josepha i was like a tigress robbed of her cubs in short as you see me now your daughter yes i regard her as the means of winning you yes i put a spoke in her marriage and you will not get her married without my help handsome as mademoiselle hortense is she needs a fortune alas yes said the baroness wiping her eyes well just ask your husband for ten thousand francs said crevel striking his attitude once more he waited a minute like an actor who has made a point 
if he had the money he would give it to the woman who will take josepha's place he went on emphasizing his tones does a man ever pull up on the road he has taken in the first place he is too sweet on women there is a happy medium in all things as our king has told us and then his vanity is implicated he is a handsome man he would bring you all to ruin for his pleasure in fact you are already on the high road to the workhouse why look never since i set foot in your house have you been able to do up your drawing-room furniture hard up is the word shouted by every slit in the stuff where will you find a son-in-law who would not turn his back in horror of the ill-concealed evidence of the most cruel misery there is that of people in decent society i have kept shop and i know there is no eye so quick as that of the paris tradesman to detect real wealth from its sham you have no money he said in a lower voice it is written everywhere even on your manservant's coat would you like me to disclose any more hideous mysteries that are kept from you monsieur cried madame hulot whose handkerchief was wet through with her tears enough enough my son-in-law i tell you gives his father money and this is what i particularly wanted to come to when i began by speaking of your son's expenses but i keep an eye on my daughter's interests be easy oh if i could but see my daughter married and die cried the poor woman quite losing her head well then this is the way said the ex-perfumer madame hulot looked at crevel with a hopeful expression which so completely changed her countenance that this alone ought to have touched the man's feelings and have led him to abandon his monstrous schemes End of chapter two